3: Good evening, this is Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, and the guys from Besotted, Billy the B Grant. And Greville, the Waterman. Delighted to have you on, chaps. On the show today, we're going to be looking back to Brentford's first game of the season against Birmingham City. We'll be listening to what the fans had to say in the pub after the match. We'll also be getting head coach Thomas Frank's thoughts on the match itself and also the Brentford debutants. Plus, with the news just announced of Neil Morpé leaving Brentford and the transfer window slamming shut on Thursday, we'll be discussing Brentford's transfer dealings this week. And uh, plenty of in, still plenty of outs in the rumour mill, flying about two gents. We're going to start with Neil Maupay, no longer a Brentford player, and we're going to get to him later on in the show. But the news has come in, £20 million, he is now a Premier League player with Brighton. Billy, your thoughts?
4: (sighs) Neil Maupay, I mean, I'm I'm gutted to be, I mean, all Brentford fans are gutted. I secretly hoped that Neil Maupay um, would stay. For Brentford, I thought that he might go for the journey. We're going to a new stadium next year. He wanted to be part of the whole journey. I spoke to him as a lot of people. I spent this sort of quite a lot. I spoke to him quite a lot last season. I spoke to him at the back end of last season. He said, you know, he really wants to stay. He really likes it here. He really likes the vibe. So I thought, tell you something, he's going to be here. And I really did think that he was actually kind of, he, he was in, he was almost in pain or trying to decide as to whether or not he should make the move to, to whatever team it was. Now it was Crystal Palace. It was you know, you know, or, um, Sheffield United. You know, should I go there now? Or should I stay with Brentford? So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really gutted that Neil Malpay has gone because he's not only a, a nice bloke, but he is also a really, really good striker. And Brighton, and we'll talk about this later, obviously know exactly what they've got because they would not have come to Brentford for Malpay unless they knew what a good striker he was.
5: Well, <clears throat> on Saturday night, I went to see the Lion King. So if I said to you, the circle of life, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about Neil mope. They come, we develop them they go, someone replaces them of course on a personal basis I'm sad because he was special but it's life that's what happens and it's brilliant that we have actually made probably ten times our money on him and had two years, great years with him but things, things will carry on we'll replace him Okay, we're going to move on to the
3: transfer dealings later on in the show, obviously talking about some of the ins, some of the outs, but a bit of reaction to that first game against Birmingham guys. 1-0. Was the defeat? It looked like Brentford were very much in the in the ascendancy throughout. I mean, you only have to look at the stats in terms of 75 percent possession, the amount of shots on t- uh, the amount of shots on goal, only a few on target, and that's where you potentially look at the fact that Mope wasn't there to put them away. One particular chance for Marcondes, which hit the bar. You think eight yards out would have Mope put that one away, Billy?
4: Uh, I mean, possibly. I mean, we wanted to talk. We'll talk about Birmingham a little bit after we listen to what the fans do after the break because I think that Birmingham game is very very. Uh... Well, it's a bit of a gutter for us to be quite honest with you. And what is but what is interesting about this Birmingham game is that there is a number, if you remember rightly, is that this season there's a number at the beginning of the season, you know this as well. Everyone likes to make a bit of a prediction, don't they? So everyone goes, Ah, oh, yeah, we know who's going to be top, who's going to be bottom. Oh, yeah, everyone's oh, going to be Fulham, Fulham are at the top, and and then Barnsley at the bottom. So all these fans went out and made a whole leap of predictions before the, se- the start of the season the, the waterman was involved, I was involved and a lot of the Besotted crew and a lot of fans as well so we just thought it would be quite interesting um, you know we take into account that Birmingham result which obviously was a little bit off kilter but obviously there was other things that happened the first day of the season so let's have a little look at sort of what happened the first day of the season to see kind of uh, if-, if teams did as good as people thought or teams did bad if ev- and if-, if anyone would might actually quite like to-, to change their views I mean I think the first one that's got to come to mind of course we always have to do this and, and it's so lovely to, to, to have them back with us because we have missed them for the, for the year that they've been away <laughs> Fulham oh you know the, the Fulham the F words Fulham um, the Fulhamish guys you know we, we do have a nice little jive and a nice little bit of banter with them uh, if you use that word but they uh, everyone's so confident that Fulham are going to go straight up the Fulham guys are going to be so confident that they're going to go straight up and, and possibly they might do and they were going to Barnsley who had just been promoted absolutely thinking that was a hook, nail, and sinker three points and Barnsley did them like a kipper didn't they
5: yeah absolutely absolutely delighted because I like Barnsley they're a hell of a team play lovely football but then you look at Charlton Charlton look at poor Benighted Charlton have lost all their best players they go to Blackburn who've spent some reasonable money and they go and win And I know I have to wash my mouth out after this, but QPR
4: winning at Stoke, wasn't that wonderful? I mean, that's interesting. I mean, you talk about that one because, again, a lot of people... Because Stoke had a bit of a dodgy season last season, but because Nathan Jones has come in and they've done a few signings and they're saying that Stoke City are getting... Premier, you know, championship ready now and he's doing the right thing. So a lot of people have gone, actually, we got it wrong with Stoke this time, but they're actually going to be getting it right uh, 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 last time, they're going to be getting it right this time. Now, we're not saying, listen, there's only one game this season, but um, you know, Mark Warburton's obviously gone up there and he's done his research and he's given them and also, did you see Ezzy score, scored that goal as well?
3: he oh, danced through, dance through the defence, didn't he?
5: But no one went near him. No. And they and waved him past.
3: And even the first goal from Jordan Hugo, who's been a source of mockery, I suppose, from a lot of fans for the meme that went out and the I like me bubbles when he first signed for West Ham and a player that West Ham didn't really need didn't really want David Moyes was under pressure to bring him in in that January window obviously spent last season on loan at Middlesbrough the championship is clearly his level he's got off to a good start but Billy I've got to say the, 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 the predictions are really interesting that you guys got when you spoke to these fans and the fact that Fulham second place perhaps Barnsley you know Leeds fifth West Brom second Stokes second as well and the surprises that were thrown up I mean the Barnsley game that you alluded to is unbelievable Alexander Mitrovic hardly had a touch in the game and you could have looked at it in the sense that Barnsley were in the ascendancy having come up Fulham coming down and Barnsley at home as well I think that's 28 games in all competitions now that they've not lost under Daniel Stendhal the only team last season not to lose at home in all competitions throughout the four English professional leagues so not, not the worst team in the world Barnsley
4: no no and and, and a lot of people um, wrote them off because they lost two defenders as well obviously one of them to us Ethan Pinnett, as well and the Barnsley fans are really gutted but the Barnsley fans that I spoke to after the weekend said you know to be fair you know we got our money and we haven't done too badly out of it so you know they're looking fairly comfortable about it and, and a lot of off. at one stage some people um wrote Barnsley off but other people again and I'm going to say not to get everything right but I, I actually put Barnsley actually to 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 actually do better than other, like a lot of people thought because Barnsley are a team that are similar to Brentford in the fact that what they do is the way that they buy their players they you know they use a little bit of analytics and they they're very clever about buying players who are rough diamonds and then getting them and developing them so Barnsley do that and so I think that Potentially, they could be better prepared than, say, maybe than maybe some of a Rotherham who may come up and they play a particular type of football and try to just kind of sort of steamroller people when they come up. And it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but and I saw today they sold Kiefer Moore um,
5: for about four million pounds to Wigan. Now, Kiefer Moore was the focal point of their attack last year until he got, I think he got badly concussed and missed the run in. But he's gone, so I'm sure someone will come in to replace him, because apart from Woodrow, I don't see an awful lot of goals in that team. But I love the way they play football. They're really positive, and they'll finish above half yeah. halfway. I think the other
3: interesting thing here as well is that when you look at the teams and the squads that are being put out, because the transfer window goes on until the end of this week or Thursday, in line with the Premier League, we're likely to see at the next round of games, a whole load of different lineups coming in. It seems so bizarre that this happens and that teams are put out not really knowing how they're actually going to line up for the rest of the season. It's almost like a free week,
4: isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is. And it's... Uh it's It's wrong as well, and we we we, we sort of touched on it a little bit last week, and we are touching it again this week that you know Brentford okay, they lost to to Birmingham City, and technically, I suppose we shouldn't have lost to Birmingham City, and we'll talk about it in a bit because you know we were unlucky, but at the same time, the team that we've got is going to be very different on Saturday than it was last Saturday, and if the transfer deadline was different. It may not have been like that, so it's a little bit gutted, and I, and I think that luckily we've we've got the, the it moved back three weeks to now, but I think there needs to be a little bit more movement. I think there needs to be more sync in line with the Premier League, the same day that the window shuts at the Premier League, so that before we actually um, um, start the season. We know exactly what our squad is, and I think that's only fair. Does it also surprise you, Greville, that
3: dealings aren't done until the last week? It always seems to rumble on and on and on. And then we suddenly see this carnage in the last few days of players going, right, that's freed up a player right now, we need to get him in. And then it's almost like a snowball effect of all these different clubs signing all these different players.
5: Well, part of it is like buying a house as a chain, and you have to wait for one deal to be completed before another one is. But with Spoil, we support a club that is really well run, and their philosophy is obviously you buy low, you sell high, you buy early, you sell late. And that's what we generally do, and that's what we've done to a large degree. Although this year it's slightly different, because let's face it, we're, we're desperately out there trying to buy now, now that Mopay has gone and who knows where else might go. but. I think a lot of clubs are still very reactive rather than proactive, and this is what and that's why you get the Jordan Huggills of this world, you know, panic buys.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We have seen two come in today, obviously, Brian Buma and Drew Yearwood. We'll get onto them later. Some interest in Albion Ayeti as well, the FC Basel striker, potentially might be looking at him as our West Ham and West Brom as well. But just going back to some of those results again, another London club, Millwall getting a decent result against Preston, we touched on Charlton. I mean, going away to Blackburn and getting a result there is a very impressive one, isn't it? It,
4: it is impressive, especially, again, the, the, the Blackburn fans were very, very confident. They're actually uh, talking about playoffs, um, considering they got promoted last season. They had a fairly decent um, run last season. They back, they they dipped off at the back end of last season, but they did all right. Um, I think it's actually when they played us and we gave them a good spanking, actually, that their season actually decided to fall apart. But um, they were very confident of the back of the results that they had, and they thought they were going to possibly push for playoffs. So I think that was a bit of a, a bit of a wake-up call for them. For Charlton to come up there and obviously Millwall are one of those teams where people write off all the time and Millwall fans do not care they're just like we are Millwall we don't care we don't, you can write us off as much as you want to but you've got to come to the den You've actually got to try and win, you know. So, so you know, fair play to Millwall, and they're going to give a lot of teams a very hard time. And uh, you know, just looking at the teams that did well yesterday, you know, you look at Leeds United, who are obviously rocking off the back of losing those playoffs, which they thought they were going to get automatic promotion, and and they lost um, they lost Roof a couple of days before the window as well, and everyone's like going, "Oh, they're falling apart again." But to be fair, against Bristol City, who are one of the sides who have spent a lot of money and they're really gunning for it, Leeds just went there and absolutely ripped them to pieces. To be To be fair, but that lead squad is threadbare, there's not
5: a lot there apart from the 18 that we had. They have to strengthen because it's a long season. And Bristol City, I take you know, I would say now they've sold Webster, they've got a lot of money in that kitty. And I suspect that Bristol City will bring in two or three players in over the next few days because apart from Derby with Bielik. No-one else has really spent big money apart from Brentford in this championship, which is ridiculous.
3: Yeah, uh, suggestions as well that Bristol City are in for Eddie and Ketia, a loan move from Arsenal. Lee Johnson has said that he wants to bring in about four or five players before the window shuts. He's not got much time left. Right, after this, we're going to be having some audio from some fans on what they thought on that opening game against Birmingham.
2: It's all in the name. Love Sport Radio.
3: You listen to the Brentford fan show on Last Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Besotted, Billy the Bee, Grant. And Greville, the Waterman. Just a quick update on a championship fixture going on this evening. Huddersfield are hosting Derby. Derby took a 2 0 lead through Tom Lawrence, but Huddersfield have just pulled one back with a penalty from Carlin Grant. Quite prolific, Carlin Grant. You'd imagine he's
4: going to score a few goals in the championship this season. Should have signed for Brentford as well. Should have signed for Brentford last January. We were, we were looking at him hardcore, and we thought we might have got him, and it didn't quite happen. It was almost there. It's one of those almost there ones, you know. One of those almost. Well, be interesting to see what happens
3: when he comes up against Brentford this season a team that did come up against Brentford this season on the opening day was Birmingham sadly a 1-0 defeat at Griffin Park but after the game the guys from Besotted caught up with some fans
6: I thought we were gonna absolutely steamroll them and, and to be honest the way the way we actually played I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be a difference. I didn't think Bermud offered anything. But then again in the last third, I didn't think we did either. In, in, in the end of it. You know, we had all the possession, had all the sort of the, the play, but never really looked like we were gonna score. We were flat,
0: they looked way short of the pace, they weren't able to play beyond the half time break, De Silva looked unfit, Dale's got looked unfit, and I think you looked at the coach and uh, uh, I don't know what sort of regimes he put in place during the off-season but um, yeah they did, they looked, they looked flat to me you know we, we passed back in offensive positions more often we'd, we'd try and find the attacking pass there and um, I thought Watkins, weirdly enough, who's played probably the uh, the least amount of pre season football uh, out of that starting 11 today, but one of the fitter players on the pitch. Um, and I suppose you have to ask questions of Frank. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't know what uh, sort of regimes he's had in place with them, but um, I thought that was the difference between us not being able to kick on and win the game. Maybe last season, 1 0 down, dominating the game, we would have found a way to win that 2 1, 3 1. This season, or uh, today, I should say, we, we looked. Incapable of finding a way to break them down in the second half. I wasn't disappointed by the performance. I thought the first half we were excellent. Second half we teared off a bit. Um, you know,
1: we hit the bar three times. Birmingham had one chance and they scored. We hit the woodwork three times and didn't score. Oh, for a centre forward. That's the big dilemma we've got. You know, until Thursday, we don't know where we stand as a club. If we can hold on to Mal we'll be an absolutely at, at the bit for, a bit for promotion if we don't have pay, we will be as I predicted in my pre-season preview 10th or 11th I don't
0: think we look prepared for a team sitting quite deep and then being one-nil down with 10, 15 minutes to go, um, I thought that, you know the first 30 minutes we looked class. We were creating chances, um, like GP said, we you know we played squash with the woodwork, uh, some really really good opportunities uh, with Watkins. Um, and but I think we tied towards in the second half. We lost creativity. We didn't have enough movement going forward, um, and that's not down to the players. That's not down to anything really. I think that we have um, a fantastic starting eleven, but there were some players missing from the bench that maybe could have added that extra injection of maybe fitness and I think creativity up front. Uh, there, were, there were some positives let's be honest with you. I think it's it's not the end of the world. There there was a lot of players that um, weren't necessarily the ones that Thomas Frank would want to pick a team wise. I think really we just need to get Past the transfer deadline, and then just see where we are then. And then I don't, I don't really think our season starts until next Saturday, if I'm honest. Again, this, this whole this whole um, transfer window where we are not in synchronisation with the Premier League, so we've got an extra week before you know players can't leave us. It does it doesn't work for the Championship. It needs to be the Championship needs to start on the same day as the Premier League, and the transfer deadline needs. To (laughs) synchronised
3: yep that was the fans thoughts after the Birmingham clash I've got to say chaps it was slightly more downbeat than I thought it might be
4: it, it was down. Tell you why it was so downbeat. is because we thought, you know, we've gone inside, mm-hmm. there. Is, it literally was this t- trumpets blazing and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Really hot day. Everyone was really excited. It was nearly a sellout. You know, it was 11,000 at Brentford, but absolutely potty for it. And then we get beaten by Birmingham City by literally, you know, one header. Only one shot that they had. And, then, and to be fair, they defended really well, but Birmingham <laughs> were just quite rubbish. And Brentford just could not just get to that next level. And I think everyone was just really just... Just depressed, I think, wasn't it? I mean, the first opening day defeat
3: at
5: Griffin Park since 1992. So you've had a good run. Yeah, we've I mean, had a good run. I remember that one. That was against Wolves. Where Steve Ball scored. I remember that. I and mean, we missed the penalty. I'll stop being in an Anorak. No, no, no. We, but, lo- we love a bit of nostalgia. But once once I saw the team I thought this is a game just to get through ideally win it 1-0 and get on with the season once we have we have a full squad <laughs> we had to score first hmm. yeah. and we didn't and yeah. then we just ran out of ideas no movement up front well look at the front three you look at the bench it was like a crash. so yeah, but you so said the front him.
4: three. I mean, who's in the front three? I mean, some people that were listening, obviously. It's, it, okay. It was, uh, so yeah.
5: we had we had Watkins, we had uh, Canos, who just went down blind alleys as normal. Watkins did all right down the middle. macondes flitted flitted it out, linked the game very well, but he had two ridiculously good chances that he had to score from. He had to score from eight yards when he broke the crossbar almost, and just on half time. He he scuffed it. If he'd scuffed the first one, he'd have scored. Second one, he scuffed and hit the keeper's legs. He had to score, and then we'd all be saying, "Isn't he a great player?" Rather than, "Where does he fit in?" And we're still saying, "Where does he fit in?"
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, like we alluded to at the start of the show, the fact that Neil pay probably would have put those chances away. But listen, he's still young. Potentially a learning curve for him to bounce back from that. And when we look at the stats, like I said earlier, it's seventy-eight. 78- possession 16 attempts at goal but only you know?
5: three on target yeah
3: only three on target and that's the issue i think they're still trying to find the ball from that de silva free kick that's <laughs> that went way over griffin it's up Park. there
4: with barbe's penalty last <laughs> year against norwich and it doesn't count the shots that hit the the woodwork as well they're not counting no. as a target and you know as far as you can say, if you hit the woodwork you you know i think we're on target you're just not quite i agree yeah, yeah. so so yeah but uh, but anyway listen top, tell us something though thomas frank interesting thoughts about that because obviously he's got to keep upbeat he's obviously trying to keep the ship together he's had players that obviously he's trying to appease (laughs) he's trying to get to play and he's also trying to bring new players in so listen Thomas Frank um yeah a little 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 listen to Thomas Frank to see what he had to say about the game
6: it was one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen especially at Griffin Park in first half uh, we did so many things right. We created so many chances they didn't had. Yeah, they had one shot on target, which was a goal, which was a, a lucky punch. Um, so first half, I'm very pleased. The stadium was buzzing. Everything was was set for for the start we were dreaming about. Then second half. Should have done better, I would say, playing quicker, less touches, play more forward, um, play more behind them when we had the chance, Um, that's the disappointing part, Uh, but I must say first half is is bang up there and we just need to continue uh, down that route. I think we had six massive chances and they had one lucky punch, Uh, the shots are 15 to 1. So, um, if we should bet on that uh, next time, I think uh, we will win it. No, I, I would be much, much more concerned if we play, put in a, a, a bad performance, um, but I can see if we keep a performance like, especially the first half, um, get that into to the boys and get into all the games, then we will be performing very well and competing very well in this league.
3: Well, that was Thomas Frank's reaction to the defeat to Birmingham. Interestingly, he said one lucky punch from the header, which, let's say, it was quite a freak goal, a header from outside the box. You don't see that too often. But he
4: did keep saying, we were unlucky. Is that what it's all about, Billy? we were unlucky of course we were unlucky because you know uh, as as Greville talked about you know the shot that that, you know hit the keeper could have gone another way would have gone in the back of the net the shot that hit the crossbar if it bounced actually one of them bounced in I thought it was bounced into the goal and it's bounced out instead so yes we were unlucky but on the uh, but on the other hand you know Like I said to you, I mean, I wrote an article and I said it was a little bit like deja vu. We've seen this so many times before as Brentford fans, you know. Two seasons ago, we couldn't win a game for two months. We played brilliant football, but we just couldn't quite win a match for whatever reason it may be. And after a while, you know, the whole kind of, you know, we've been lucky, we've been lucky. It's like, how unlucky can you be? How come other teams aren't as unlucky as we are? It's like we've got to kind of, you know... Forget the unluckiness and and just come up with the results.
5: Yeah, but the second half performance wasn't really acceptable. It was poor, it was slow, it was static. We didn't really get behind them. There was no pace, there was no tempo. And in the end, we kept relying on long diagonal balls from Pinnock to Dalsgaard you know, to head it across or do something. We ran out of ideas. Uh, Rico Henry ran out of path. He really didn't get down and attack them down that flank. We were one-dimensional in the second half. First half, very unlucky. Second half, poor. Well, of course, some new recruits at
3: Brentford already this, uh, this summer. Brian Buma and Drew Yewold were in the ground at Griffin Park watching the game But those playing, the likes of Pontus Janssen, Janssen, Christian Norgard, all at Brentford this summer. Here's what Frank had to say about those recruits.
6: I think he even did well. I think he dealt very well with Tukurich in the air. Um, the strong, um, took care of his jewels. Um, Pontus, you can just see that leader and the rock and the, um, the power we need down there. It's very, very promising. Um, David in the goal. Uh, was good. Didn't have anything to do. Uh, I know what we've seen in the pre-seasons uh, friendlies that he will help us going forward. I think Matthias looked very promising in, in midfield. I think he already started to dictate the game, and um, he would be, um, I, I believe, a big, big success for us going forward. Of course, we need more game time and more minutes, and you know get to know the relations with the other players. Uh, Christian is hopefully ready for Middlesbrough, unfortunately he had a very rare injuries so, which was very unlucky that kept him out of this game, so uh, we hope and, and and expect him to be ready for Middlesbrough. Bet you can't wait for that transfer window to shut, can you? I'm looking forward to that, massively looking forward to hopefully uh, drink a, a cold pint uh, 5 o'clock. and Okay, done. And no, one thing I, I do know, when it close 5pm five, uh, 5 I'm 100% sure that we have a very strong squad well, Thomas was that a performance especially in the first half that deserved so much more than the result oh yeah massively it, it, that's the uh, craziest thing we- a cold pint
3: Thomas Frank is going to have when the transfer window shuts you can imagine him supping that one down I bet he cannot wait for it to finish but guys his, uh, would you agree with his
4: sentiments on the, on the new arrivals so far um uh, yeah I mean I would do listen it's their first game you know Pontus Jensen he looks like a a leader he looks out there he was shouting he was being given encouragement to his (laughs) and he's also getting stuck in which is what he was known for at Leeds so yes um, Pinnock as well you know he can head a ball and that's what we we bought him for (laughs) you know on on, on the ground a little bit he he looked a little bit nervous and I think there may be a little bit more work that needs to be done with him and his teammates there but then maybe necessarily he wasn't bought in for that but in general I think the players did well Jensen as well Um, now you know Jensen looks a very very interesting player. I mean, Greville. I know that you
5: really liked him, didn't I, you? Well, he's going to be our new Romaine Sawyer's, isn't he? Um, I actually thought Saturday came too soon for him. And if Norgard had been fit, I suspect he wouldn't have started. But he gave us a. He, he played all 90, I think. But he gave us about 75 good minutes. Showed good vision. Um, what, he, what he seemed to do was play long, sort of floaty balls, whereas Romain was sharp, staccato, crisp, kept the ball moving fast, whereas Jensen didn't do that, but he was very accurate, never wasted the ball, but a different type of player, and I don't think he's match fit, but he looked good. Yeah, well, a couple of days
3: left for plenty more potentially to come into the club. We're going to be discussing the transfer dealings, those going out, and maybe some more coming in after this. Love sport. Yeah, you're listening to Love Sport. This is the Brentford Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Besotted, Billy the B-Grant and Greville the Waterman. Right, we're going to get on to the incomings in a moment, but let's just hark back to Neil Pay £20 million to Brighton today. He's now a Premier League player. He's no longer a Brentford player. Where are we at now with this, guys? Are we are, are we good with it? I mean, it was something that we all expected. We had a fan there speaking, saying that he didn't know where we stood until Thursday. He thinks without pay, the club are going to finish 10th or 11th, Obviously, players are coming in to replace Maupé. I mean, it's not going to be 10th or 11th without pay It's not all about Neil Morpay at Brentford, right?
5: Well, last year, it was a lot about Neil Maupé. I mean, was it 28, 28 goals, 9 assists? I mean, that's pretty good, isn't it? Mm. I was pretty phlegmatic about it, as I was sort of intimating at the start of the show, until I just saw a picture of him <laughs> in a Brighton shirt being welcomed uh, by their supporters. And my heart just went, Ugh. Of course I'm gutted and sick But it's life that's what happens and we will replace him but maybe you know it's going to be difficult and it's going to cost a lot of money
4: i mean it, it is life and, and i'm gutted and there's very few players because you know i think as you get older <coughs> when you're younger you, you you get really attached to these players you get really into it as you get older you get a little bit more practical i think you realize that you know it's more about the club and the survival and all these kind of things so there's very few players that i think tell you something you know if we have to hang on to them you know come what maybe we should do but Mount pay was one of those players where i felt that we needed to because i thought he was such a good player he caused lots of problems and also the other thing is that you have to remember like not last season the season before he was written off. Loads of people laughed at him out of town, you know. You know, Moose, if you remember him from Talksport, because he missed that goal against Cardiff on the goal line, and he made a fool of him, you know, on social media. Everyone was laughing at him, but Malpay just looked at that and he just said, Tell you something, I'm just going to carry on doing what he doing. He scored actually, I think, 14 goals that season, which was deemed as like, being a failure, mm-hmm. and he's gone on this time and he's doubled it. So for me, and if you look at some of the goals he scored they're absolutely fantastic as well, and his work rate and, and what he does. So for me, Neil Malpay going is a gutter, but I mean, i I know for a fact the club worked really hard to try and keep him and everyone says you know try and keep him do as much as you can do but you know what do you do what offer him 80 grand a week you know we c- you know as much as we like to you can't offer him 80 grand a week you know on a five-year contract you know with brighton yet because we're not in the premier league mm. you know they've got premier league money so they can do that so unfortunately if you've got a half decent premier league team that's going to come in for a player like him you know we would have offered him I'm sure a good wedge of money but he's gone Premier League football good money profile on TV every week I'll be able to get a move to you know a big French team you know to Marseille or PSG maybe in three years time that's where he's thinking and uh, and also the thing that we have to remember is that when Malpe joined Brentford we usurped Brighton because Brighton wanted to sign him, and he decided to sign to us instead of Premier because they were just promoted to the Premier mm. League. He decided to sign to us, so I think it's kind of the situations come back where maybe there's a little bit of, come on guys, you know, you know, two years ago. So I've done your thing, I've come to you, and now you said, you know, when I get the if we get the Premier League opportunity. He will come to me and I think Brentford have had to do it so, so there you go and- but Brighton have had to pay ten times what they would have done two
5: years ago and he's given us two great years if they give him the right service he will score goals if they don't he will fester he will get bad tempered and who knows what will
4: happen and, and, and the thing i would say also about Brighton, and you know this and, and, and i know this as well um, um bloom who's the owner of brighton as well uses very similar um mm. type of um, um, methods to find their players with a statistical analysis by finding their players and also the markers that they use mm. as what we do uh brentford and Brighton have had haven't had the best relationship so we've never actually done any business with them so all i'll say to you is that if Brighton have come to us to say that we want to buy a player from you i reckon that the, the markings would have gone off the roof off the scale mm. for them to actually have to come to us and say tell you something you know we're going to put our tail between our legs and buy a player from you so i think you know there's a few little signs there to say we've been doing the right thing and we've obviously kind of taken them for as much as we can take well, for. absolutely and you're right the statistical analysis and
3: everything that goes into signing a player now is just incredible when you look at all the little intricate details that clubs go into but neil malpay now a premier league player fascinating to see what he does in the top flight a bit of news that's come out today is the fact that should Kieran Tierney's move to Arsenal go through, eventually Celtic are apparently in the running for Rico Henry, around 7 million, Brentford are quoting. What are your thoughts on this one?
5: Well, Scottish football is an elephant's graveyard, and Rico Henry, okay, he's fragile, he's made of glass, but you're looking at a guy who, if he stayed fit, he's probably competing with De Silva at Bristol City to get Certainly, well, he's too old for England on 21s, but, you know, he could be in the full England squad in a couple of years. Why, oh why, would he go to Celtic? Yeah, he gets some European football, but most of the games, it's sort of, you're playing,
4: it's it's like third division football be a terrible move for him Mm. but but the interesting thing is again you know whether or not it's just paper talk but we are an interesting scenario where we'll talk about it in a bit where we have been looking at the left back slot we've been looking to get a left back in you know whether or not it's a backup left back whether or not it's a person Mm. in to replace Henry so maybe there's a little bit of movement going on there and maybe Celtic have been the one that have been kind of put their heads above the parapet but maybe there's somebody else who might be in for Henry again we're talking about Dean Smith loves Rico Henry, he absolutely loves him, and he seems to have an absolute wheelbarrow full of love, gold, you know, up at Aston Villa. (laughs) So maybe somebody else within these next couple of days, as you talk about this transfer window, seems to go on forever, but all the activities seems to happen in two days. I mean, why don't they just shorten it, and like I say, have it for two or three days, because probably in the next two or three days, we'll probably sell and buy about another seven players, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's going to go crazy. Two of those, obviously,
3: with regards to potential uh, idea that Rico Henry might leave Max Lowe at Derby as a possible replacement, about £1.5 a bid, has apparently been reduced Rejected. Preston North End also interested in him as well, obviously spent some time on loan at Aberdeen, 40 plus games so he's got some pedigree but behind Scott Malone at Derby, so that is a potential replacement for Rico Henry as is Vitesse Inem's Max Clark. obviously he was in England but is, has played quite a lot in the, the Dutch Eredivisie in Yeah, the years.
4: and and again, you know Lowe, he's a good player, you know, again my Derby chums were ringing me up going, oh my god you're going to go for Lowe, you know, is it you, is it Preston North End, who is going to, you know, who is he you know, who is he going to go to, the thing about it is that obviously we're in for a left back whether or not we get low or not the thing is that um, derby county will they want to sell it to somebody that they see as being a playoff rival so it might be a case more of the case that they don't want to sell him to us as a case where you know if it's 1.5 million or 2 million or whatever it may be that money at the moment is probably quite within our price range so it's not a financial thing it's whether or not it's a the right thing for them to do what is a little bit more for us as well because we're talking about the left back role is uh, we still got the unsolved issue of the ben rama the ben rama who's gone a little bit quite he hasn't played any games as yet because he's been injured <laughs> you know so but he's been doing a bit of training and he's been doing some not so much training at times you know what I'm saying so uh we're thinking Ben Rama is he a Brentford player is he not a Brentford player is his head in the right place is it not in the right place who wants him who doesn't want him what is the score Ben Rama on Thursday is who he knows? here or not
5: who knows I mean we're not gonna sell him for less than we sold Mopay um, which was which was how much which was how much probably probably a bit less than 20 million but still a, a massive massive dosh load of dosh ben rama god only knows he came back unfit he hasn't really. I don't know. We're, we're, we're. I don't think everyone. Anyone is. Everyone's a little bit fed up with him at the moment. We want to see him back on the pitch. We're what, a bit frustrated. But
4: why, What are the fans? The, the, the coaches? Think, or just I,
5: everyone. I think everyone. I think we, it's. He's it's, not playing ball. Is what you're saying? I'm not sure, but it, it's it's sort of the the indecision. It's sort of not knowing what's going on. Does he really
4: want to stay? Does he want to go? I think it's pretty obvious he wants to go. I mean, I think you're right, because I'm just coming back to this as well. If you took, It's about model professionals, I suppose, as well. Because if you look at Chris Meppham, Chris Meppham was going to go to Bournemouth. He came there. Dan, Don Howe came down all the time. He carried on playing, doing his thing, did the manners, as we called it. Well, and he was always there. And that, I think that's what you kind of need from your players when they're playing for you. Until you're at somewhere else, you've got to you've got to be there, didn't you? Yeah,
5: look, we, we can't slander anyone. We don't know. Silent. We don't know. Obviously, we're not saying it's a Tarkowski situation yet. But I suspect he wants to go, but someone has to offer us the money. But at the same time, if you look at Mabueno and Valencia, it, it's quite likely that the replacement's in the house. But I would love to see three or four months of Ben Rama at full throttle, doing his utmost, doing, showing the magic that we know he has. And if he goes in January, so be it. Yeah, but I don't want him to go now because to me it would it be ending on a sour note yeah I do find it incredible that we,
3: we continually season after season get to this stage with two or three days of the transfer window left not quite knowing whether players are going to be coming or going two players three players in fact that have come are Joel Valencia Brian Mbuemo and Drew Yearwood some young talent we've got there but some young exciting talent Billy
4: they're, they're young and exciting i tell you what is also quite interesting there's a lot of people um, Brentford are talking about this year this is going to be our year Brentford are really going for it okay so they've done that and all of a sudden it's like when pays looks like he's going Ben Rahman looks like he's going a lot of people are saying Brentford aren't going to go for it anymore look what's happening now what I think is Mister, I might be wrong here is that if you look at our side this season we have almost replaced every single player if you look at the 11 on the side you know if Ben Rama and Malpe go you know there might be just Watkins if he doesn't go and Canos in the side and may, and maybe Dalsgaard but then everybody else um, and Henry. because if, he, if Henry goes or if he doesn't go yeah. if, you know what I'm saying then yeah. all of a sudden you might find that you know nine out of the 11 or eight out of the 11 are brand new players now I was just thinking to myself I think wonder if this is Brentford saying tell you something what happens is every year we're fighting off trying to keep two or three of our key players we replace them that get two or three years is to for them to actually get back into place maybe what we do that this year is that what we do is what we bring in these players who are of relatively ready bring them into the side so your ponters Janssens your Reyes you know you bring them all into the side now all on the same contract and we'll we'll go for it this year and if we go for it it's fine but if not next season the likelihood is that none or very few of them are gonna leave because it's after the first year. You'll be able you won't have the churn that you have that have had a year together playing together and the second year will go forward stronger. And I just I just thought about that today and I was thinking maybe that is the longer term plan for Brentford where it's into the new stadium with a team who's been playing together for a year all on the same length of contract, so they're not going to be fighting for people to leave next summer.
3: Absolutely, and you're right. I mean, there's a definite plan there, isn't there? And these, these aren't shock signings. These aren't panic buys. You've been looking at Yearwood for a while. I've been looking at Mbwemo for a while. According to Thomas Frank, he said, exactly the sort of player that we want at Brentford. Quick, direct, he can beat people, attacking one-on-one. Um, just with regards to other incomings, gents, Basel striker Albion Ayeti, The Swiss international is 22, just like Neil Mopé, 21 goals, 11 assists last season. We're talking £9 million, which in the current climate, especially after the money you got for Mopé, West Brom are apparently in for him, West Ham are apparently in for him. Wage demands are apparently a stumbling block. But this
5: guy sounds exciting. Well, he's a wonderful player. I mean, you know, we're shopping at Harrods now. It's ridiculous. You know, I remember the fact, you know, signing Stan Webb for ten grand and thinking, my gosh, we've spent a lot of money. So it's a different world now. Uh, I take Billy's point about the players. I do remember after Mark Warburton left, we suddenly tried to shoehorn eight new players into the, into the team and it took a long time to get them all to gel. So that is something I am slightly concerned about. But we are certainly, go- I suspect we're going to break our transfer record yet again in the next three days. That's my guess for a, set, for a striker.
4: We're Which is ju- and we will do and, and you're talking about uh, uh, you say he's like 21 and 43 um, he's played Champions League football which will make him feel uh, he'll feel at home because we've already got a player that's played Champions League football is uh, um, uh, Valencia just came out of the Champions League as well so you know we're Brentford Champions League aren't we like you know Champions League ready players you know he's even made three appearances for the Swiss national side as well like I said to you West Ham um, uh, well you know West Ham are looking but the thing I say about West Ham I always put my tongue in cheek with West Ham because West Ham always seem to be in with a striker and never sign up Mm-hmm. you know the only one they signed him was the one that we actually went for um, Haller which we went for about three or four years ago and they actually signed in for a ridiculous amount of money
5: 45 million yes, that's 45 million
4: oh. you know we, 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 he turned us down for we tried 6 million I think it was a few years they wanted to get 6 million of us about four years ago and we uh, that was too rich for us at the time but West Ham my mm, pinch of salt West, West Bromwich Albion too expensive, apparently. You know, for them. So his wages were too expensive, which makes me think: mm, if uh, if 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 you've got Romaine Sawyers who is going there, who is on sort of kind of sort of going on a thirty thousand pound a week. You know, what I'm saying so sort of that kind of money we're talking about. This guy's got to be asking for even more than that. So is you know, are we going into the stratosphere of what we're kind of playing our players? You know. So, uh, but he's very good in the year and he's lethal in the box. And if I remember rightly, I might be wrong. We actually went in for him about three years ago. This
5: is the guy who we had real problems with the agent about four years ago, Mm. and it all fell apart very, very messily. It, It does
3: sound slightly ominous, the fact that his wage demands are seeming to be a problem. I think the other thing here, gents, is that, you're beating clubs to these players' signatures. Both Palace and Middlesbrough were interested in Drew Yearwood. The likes of Southampton, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Nice, Marseille and Rennes were all interested in Mbwemo. But both have decided to come to Brentford.
4: I'll tell you what it is, and the thing is, that, you know, it's not we're sitting there being on message, we're just being quite truthful. The, the fact is that people still think that, you know, because we're Brentford and we're doing really well, everyone would want to come to us. But the fact is that, you know, especially from Europe, when pl- players want to come over, a, they want to go into the Premier League and they want to go to particular type of teams who are who they deem as a particular structure. So we have to actually work a lot harder to try and get players in and, and, and work them in. And also, we don't necessarily have as big a budget as everyone else like that. Um, like as you said to you, Malpay came in and he came to us instead of going to Brighton because obviously we made him a number of promises, including the fact that, you know, look at Andre Gray. You know, when the right opportunity came, we, we let him go. And we're going to do the same thing with you. We've done the same thing with Konza, who came in after a year, he's playing Premier League football. OK, we got 12 million out of, it. and to be honest he's probably our fourth uh, centre-back or third centre-back at the time so it suited us both so i think with these players you come into them and what they do is they say look at neil Malpay two years at brentford and he's going to be a premier league player if you come in you do the right thing you work for us and we'll work for you because at the end of the day when we get them okay we sell these players but we just get the money in and we just buy it. we spend more money on another player so it's horrible that we have to let them go but at the end of the day i think that's our calling card to these players to say look we will build you, develop you, and make you better. Absolutely, but it's
5: more than that. It's also our due diligence. Mm-hmm. We, I've heard from many people, that the players come in and the sensible and the sensible agents who are looking to develop their players, as opposed to just looking for a you know a cash day, are amazed at how much we know about the players what plans we have for the players, and how we, the promises we make. And that's why we sign players that other clubs don't, because we're better prepared.
3: Yep, due diligence, so, so important now in current recruitment. I just want to finish up on Drew Yearwood. This is a guy energetic, box-to-box, uh, you know, a tenacious midfielder. Only 19, 60-plus games for South End. It's a big leap to see what he can do is there a danger and I don't know whether danger is the right word to say that Brentford are now quite overloaded in that area in the middle of the park
4: mm, I think it's more a place I think it's more a case of uh, forward planning right. and again if you speak to you know some of the guys around the clubs what they'll say to you is that say, we're planning now we're looking for next summer so they'll be looking at players 12 or 18 months in advance so what they'll do is that they'll sign players in because what we want to do is we don't want to get usurped so at the moment now beforehand we'll sell a player and then we we'll would be scrambling around to find another player for them with a player like uh, um 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 Yearwood, Drew Yearwood, very, very good at South End. Still a lot of development. It's a bit of a you know it's a bit of a step up to Brentford. H- him and Camo, you know, probably a similar situation. So maybe the situation, I say maybe the situation, he's coming in as a you know, as a as a backup to Camo, as it is. If he plays better than him, then he'll play in place to Camo. But what you've got a situation is that you've got a player where if Camo decides that he's not going to sign his contract, he's only got a year left. Then all of a sudden, is that you've got somebody who's trained up who's going to move into the next, into the same position, or you've got somebody who can come. Replace or or, or we can swap the players, or if Camo's injured because he doesn't play every game as well, you know, because he can't necessarily play sort of a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. You've got somebody in there, so for me, I'm thinking that um, Yearwood is a player who's coming in, but we may be looking at sort of just bringing him in slowly, so that maybe six months down the line or eight months down the line, he becomes a regular in our side. But you know, he's got a lot to learn. But Camo is actually number two now,
5: probably to Nordgaard, so you've really got three players in that. That sort of defensive midfield, slightly box-to-box role and one into three doesn't go and I would have thought that Camo is probably going to leave the club either in the next few days or in January. That's my guess.
3: Very interesting thoughts from Greville the Waterman. What will the lineup be next weekend, of course? Brentford do travel to the riverside to face Middlesbrough. We'll be discussing that after this.
4: Love sports.
3: You are listening to the Brentford fan show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Biss Sotted. We've got about seven minutes or so left of the show which gives us plenty of time to look ahead to the weekend's clash with Middlesbrough the guys have been scribbling around on pieces of paper in the break just to think about who is going to line up who's going to be in that starting 11 and what the formation is going to be what have we come up with gents this is actually quite
4: a difficult one because the fact is that you haven't seen half of these players. You don't know what they're like, um, and we got, and, and also we might get some more players coming in the weekend, and one leaving. But let's, let me make the presumption anyway. So um, Ray is going to be in goal. You know, I think I may make a guess on that one. So mm-hmm. I think we're, we're looking at Ray Ray in goal. I'll give you that one. Thank you. Dal's has got the right back as well, and we're looking at Henry at the left back okay so we've got that sorted as well and then we've got the um say wing back and then we've got uh, Jansen, Pinnock and Jean-Vier as well three at the black because we're playing Borough and then we're talking in the midfield we're talking about Norsgaard fingers crossed he's going to be back because I think we really need him and we really missed him on uh, Saturday so Norsgaard I'm, I'm presuming he'll be back. Thomas Frank said that you know he had a bit of a knock so he should be back and then Jensen as well who had a great game and uh yeah, which I, which I think would be uh, which I think would be good now going for the, the three up front I think that we might stick with Canos as well and Watkins on one side or the other side and in the middle and I've put a big circle around it new man <laughs> whoever the new man will be as our striker up front I think we'll put him straight in the game the one person that I think that might might swap out of this maybe we might be brave and uh, we might swap out um, Canos and uh, Buemo maybe that might, that might be the move which might be a slightly interesting one on, on the wing because he's a winger he's a very very good winger 19 year old like I said to you played for trois. As we came from, five-year deal, scored 10-35, but he's a uh, French under 20, and uh, he's meant to be very, very exciting. Greville? Uh, i
5: Go along with the back five, um, you know, well, all right, three centre-halves, assuming, uh, yeah, that'd be fine. Henry at left-back, assuming he's fit. He didn't look fit last week and assuming he hasn't gone to Celtic. Um, In terms of midfield, I would go with Norsgaard and De Silva. Mm. Um, I just think Jensen was good. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe he needs just minutes, but I, I, I just think away from home... A little bit more bite um in terms of the front three mr x down the middle and i would go with watkins and mabueno
3: interesting so relatively similar there the, if watkins is still there the if watkins is still there and this is something right with watkins i mean it's likely that he's going to be pushed into a more advanced role even more so than last season right i mean this is a distinct possibility now
4: we don't know this is the thing because we keep on we keep on pushing him and we keep on making him a number nine we keep on putting him up front and it doesn't seem to quite click for him he's not having a go he's a great player but it just it just doesn't seem to be quite his position and i think that you know when he when he takes that pressure off and somebody else goes up front he seems to have a better game so for us, we're seeing the situation is uh, the, the the sooner that we can actually get a, a striker to come in, it will actually be better for Watkins' game. And also the other thing is I also think that Watkins really misses Ben Rama in the side. So I have not put Ben Rama in because we, we've almost done a presumption he's not going to be there Um, in a really strange way. Of course, Ben Rama, if he's here... Yeah, but he's not going he's, to be fit. Oh, that's right, he's not fit. But he, Watkins misses Ben Rama as well, because the way that they play off someone, they're sort of passing the ball around, they're running, they're sort of switching wings, he, he actually really adds to his game. So I think that there's a, you know, there's a few elements missing which aren't necessarily all about Ollie Watkins himself. And just looking at that back...
3: I know we've spoken about this before last week, but just when, when you hear you guys say it, and you say Jansen, Pinnock, Janvier, I mean, you're struggling to find a better back three in the Championship.
5: Well... On paper, but the games aren't paid on paper. Let, let's see how they fit together. Now, as far as I can see, none of them are used to playing in a back three. They've all been playing in twos. Uh, and in fact, I think that Pinnock, who's left-footed, played on the right side for Barnsley. So Janssen plays in the middle, and also Vier is used to playing in the middle too, and he's playing on the right. So, frankly, I think there's a little bit of a readjustment for all three of them. But the real problem for me with the a, with a, the with a back three at the moment is that. We're used to a Mepham or a Barbe and to a degree a Konza who strides out with the ball and actually breaks the press and and then plays in one of the midfielders and I don't quite see that in any of the three of them. It will have to be Pinnock, I think, but we need a footballing centre-half as well as a destroyer and I'm not sure we've got it yet, but we'll have to develop it. And just looking at this new look side that we're foreseeing, ready to push
3: for
4: the playoffs with this side, gents? it's hard I tell you, again until you big big circle number nine man until you know what's going on there mm. you, you honestly you've got no idea i mean there's some people out there saying if we sell malpate we're not having it um it's really difficult because the one thing i would say is that we're obviously spent the market has moved so all the players that we're buying are more expensive than they were years before so when we had the 2015 side we bought in eight new players they were relatively cheap and they weren't match ready Now it's like, you know, it's 2019 now, and we're paying £6 million and probably more than that for players. You know, Jansen has played quite a few games for Leeds, you know. He's come in. Pinnock's played quite a few games for Barnsley. You know, we've got players who are coming in who are technically match-ready, Okay, Jensen's not match-ready because he didn't play very much for Celta Vigo last season because he was injured a lot of the time and he wasn't chosen. But in principle, these players know the game and they know what they should be doing. So I would say on on principle, these players should be coming in, and if you're paying six, seven, eight million for them, they should be relatively match ready, so you would like to think that it might take ten games for them to get in their stride. but we should if you look at us last season, still be you know we still should be a top 10 side and then you never know you just push on from there depending on how everything clicks yeah the games
3: will certainly come thick and fast now and this is why sometimes a, a good start and a defeat on the opening day can come back to haunt you obviously Middlesbrough up next then you, you host Hull then it's a way to Leeds and a way to Charlton and hosting Derby so it's a tough a tough opening to the campaign isn't
4: it it is but you know we've got to play these teams at some stage and um, you know we've got to you, you know you've got to you've got to back yourselves you know, and I think the team's got to back themselves. And I think, you know, the the problem is that we had a closed season and then probably a perfect closed season for us to start off with. And then all of a sudden it's boom and a load of new players came at the back end. So it's kind of been not as perfect as it can be because you haven't had your whole group coming together, training together, doing all this stuff together at the beginning. So it is a bit mis So it's probably going to take us a good month for us to get up to speed. But, you know, it is a long season. And uh, as long as we keep... You know within and uh, keeping our heads above the above the water line as it is and just keep inside there i think that we should get stronger and stronger as the season goes on wonderful okay gents it's been nothing but a pleasure the past hour thoroughly enjoyed it neil malpay out you got something to say buddy as well yeah neil malpay like i said he's off but also because it's transfer deadline day so some other people might go off so if you check out thursday uh not thursday morning at seven o'clock but thursday drive time when you're going home hopefully about six o'clock we shall have our Transfer day, deadline day podcast. We're going to record it during the day. We might be hanging outside the old, uh, the, the ground and then just pulling up people. So for six o'clock, Pride of West dot London. The podcast. Be sure to tune in. It's the Brentford fan show. We'll see you next week.